Welcome to the Chosen People Radio Program, a production of Chosen People Ministries. On this program, you'll hear inspiring stories, learn about messianic apologetics, and discover God's plan for Israel and you. Now let's welcome our hosts, Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries, and Robert Walter, our New York Regional Director. Shalom, dear friends, and welcome to the Chosen People. This is a a wonderful uh, program where we have the opportunity just to share our hearts and to talk about our messianic view of scriptures, seeing the Bible through Jewish eyes. And boy, there's nothing like the Jewish holidays uh, for us to talk about. And with me is my associate and colleague, uh, Bobby Walter, who leads our work in New York City. Shalom, Bobby. Shalom, Mitch. And uh, shalom to all of our listeners. We're, uh, as always, just grateful that you're tuning in. Shall I say Chag Sameach, Happy Shavuot? Yeah, I think it's appropriate. Yeah? Yeah, Chag Sameach, which means uh, happy holiday. We're going to be talking about the only festival that Jews and Christians share in common. Uh, we have two different names for them, but they're the o- it's the only one. And so the name of the holiday is Shavuot, which means weeks, mm-hmm. the Feast of Weeks. And uh, then the Christian version of it, of course, is Pentecost. That's right. That's right. And Mitch, we read about this in Leviticus chapter 23, which I know we've mentioned on the program before, but that is that one chapter in the Torah where we see God's calendar laid out. So the, the entire chapter contains all of these feast days. So if it's okay with you, Mitch, I'll just read a few p- verses here uh, that talk about this holiday. That would be great. We're going to we're gonna do promise and fulfillment again today, right, Bobby? That's, we're gonna, that's the plan. We're, we're, we're going to take a look at these this great Jewish festival as a promise and as a prophecy, and then we're going to see what happens in the New Testament, right? right. Exactly. Good plan. All right, exactly. let's go. All right, so Leviticus 23, beginning in verse 15, this is what it says. You shall also count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath, from the day when you brought in the sheaf of the wave offering... There shall be seven complete Sabbaths. You shall count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath. Then you shall present a new grain offering to the Lord. You shall bring in from your dwelling places two loaves of bread for a wave offering made of two-tenths of an ephah. They shall be a a fine flour baked with leaven as first fruits to the Lord. So, Mitch, one thing that kind of is unique, I think, about this holiday uh, when compared with all the other holidays that are mentioned in Leviticus 23, uh, there's no specific calendar date that's given for when this is to be celebrated. The day after the Sabbath. The, right. You, the day after At the least Sabbath. we know it was a Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. But you start counting 50 days <laughs> from the Passover first fruits holiday. Uh, and 50 days later, then you have Shavuot. Uh, So there's uh, one way that uh, traditional Jewish rabbis and sages have interpreted this idea is that counting 50 days uh, creates this unbroken chain, this link between the events that happen at Passover and what's being celebrated on Shavuot or on uh, Pentecost. And so what is traditionally celebrated on Shavuot in the Jewish community is the giving of the Torah at Mount Sinai. Uh, Because again, the rabbis try to calculate it, that it was about 50 days after the events of the Passover, when God brought miraculously the children of Israel out of slavery, out of Egypt, they crossed the Red Sea, which he miraculously parted. And then about 50 days later, he brings them to Mount Sinai and he gives the Torah. So if you were to talk to uh, a more religious Jewish person today about this holiday, that's the big that's the big celebration that that's usually what's going on and uh, the way it's observed is usually with all night bible study 
so that the Jewish community will stay up all night. I know in New York City at the uh, the 92nd Street Y, they have a big Shavuot celebration with lots of cheesecake because again, that's another tradition, eating a lot of dairy products. Uh, and then all night special workshops and programs and reading the book of Ruth and, uh, and all these different Torah studies and Bible studies. Uh, but Mitch, like you said, when we come to the New Testament and the, the time of Yeshua, the ministry of Yeshua, and specifically the, the same year that Yeshua became our Passover lamb on Passover and rose from the dead, we see some really just monumental events take place and some significant things happen on Shavuot. So Mitch, why don't you share with us what took place? Yeah, so there's a, a lot to the Feast of Shavuot. And again, the, the word Shavuot means sevens or weeks. And uh, so it's seven sevens, that's 49 days. And on the 50th, Penta in the Latin and the Greek, is when we celebrate this great festival. And again, just reiterating, uh, some of the key elements in the Bible of this festival is number one, the date. And so it is on the Sunday, it is on the Feast of First Fruits. And if you just bear with me for a moment, we have been teaching a lot about Passover and some of the other holidays. And it is our opinion, and we understand that uh, there's some diversity on these views, but it's our opinion that Jesus died on Friday, was buried before the Sabbath on Friday night, and was in the grave Friday, part of Friday, Saturday, and then rose on Sunday. If that scenario is correct, then Jesus rose on the Feast of First Fruits. So he is crucified on the on Passover as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is raised on the Feast of First Fruits. Later, Paul would talk about uh, him being the first fruit from among the dead. And it's on that festival that we begin the 50-day count. Now, we also offer two loaves of leavened bread. We ate unleavened bread during Passover to symbolize our, our desire for purity, for staying away from that which corrupts, which is leaven. But then we go back to normal bread. So basically, on the Feast of First Fruits, we wave a sheaf in the temple, and it's almost a sheaf of hope where we wave it, and we're, we're almost saying, Lord, we've got one sheaf, you know, bring on the harvest, we're hungry. And then God, as he did throughout the history of the Jewish people's wanderings in the wilderness through giving manna and quail and water out of a rock, God was such a great provider, mm -hmm. God turns that one sheaf into symbolically two loaves of, of leavened bread. Now, some people will say that the two loaves of leavened bread might also symbolize uh, the uniting of Jews and Gentiles, leaven, of course, because we're human, and uh, we're offered before God. And it's sort of a prophetic foretaste of the church, where you have Jews and Gentiles coming from one chief, uh, Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, uh, but one body. Now, one of the reasons uh, some Christian interpreters go in this direction is because of the day that Shavuot was, in a sense, fulfilled in the New Testament, uh, because there was a remarkable fulfillment. And I'm reading from Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. So the Jewish believers, who were now following Jesus, were all together in one place, probably an upper room. So when the day of Shavuot, or Pentecost, had come, they were all together in one place. So these Jewish believers were there 
waiting in expectation for the promise of the Father, they were commanded to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to make disciples of all people. And Jesus said, wait for the promise of the Father. And so now this promise comes, the promise of power, the power of God to fulfill the ministry that Jesus called them to do. And so suddenly, verse 2, there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And in verse 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. So now that incident is now explained by Luke beginning in verse 5. There were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. Very important. And when the sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered. And here's the miracle, because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. And so the tongues of fire fell upon the heads of the disciples, but what came out of their mouths was actually some kind of language. And so uh, for some reason, whatever came out of the mouth was fully understood but a diversity of Jewish people who came in from the diaspora all over the Jewish world. Not, so they were not just Hebrew and Aramaic speaking, they were Greek speaking and Ethiopian speaking, and they spoke a lot of different languages. And yet they heard the, this gospel message, this powerful message in their own language. And the question now is, what does this miracle have to do with the day of Pentecost? Well, uh, you have to know Jewish tradition, Bobby, in order to really get it. According to the rabbis, every Jew who would ever live was at Mount Sinai before they entered their body. They were uh, God created all the souls that he would ever create, a creation according to Jewish tradition. And all of the Jewish souls were at Mount Sinai, heard the law come from Mount Sinai, saw the signs and wonders at Mount Sinai, and spoke in one voice saying, all that we hear, we will obey. And therefore, the rabbis say that there was never any excuse for any Jewish person who ever lived because they were all at Mount Sinai and they all agreed to the covenant. So there was, <laughs> now, honestly, I'm Jewish. I don't remember being there. <laughs> but, but, you know, this is Jewish tradition. And it's a way to explain the obligation that the rabbis say that we have to the Mosaic law and to the Torah. Well, here comes a new law, but it comes in an old way. It comes with the same signs and wonders of Mount Sinai, uh, smoke and fire and wonder and awe. And uh, these Jewish believers are filled with the Holy Spirit. They proclaim the gospel. It's heard in their own language. And of course, this was supposed to be a parallel to the Mount Sinai miracle mm -hmm. in Jewish tradition, not what was in the Bible, but in Jewish tradition. Right. And that is that everybody, everybody heard the law from Moses in their own language, and everybody heard the gospel from the disciples in their own language. And what did that do? Well, it, it created uh, quite something. And some people thought that they were drunk, but Peter, of course, who never failed to take an opportunity to preach a sermon, uh, Peter got up there and explained the whole thing. And then, as we learned from Peter's uh, message, that what happened was the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. You see that all throughout his message. And then Peter said, uh, when they said, what should we do? Peter said, repent and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so we know that at least 3,000 Jewish people were saved that day, probably more, 
and were baptized because of the parallel miracle. They heard the gospel in the same way that they understood the law of Moses was heard at Mount Sinai. Now, whether or not that really happened or not, God deigned to lower himself to utilize Jewish tradition to make a point, which you see all throughout the New Testament. This is why we need to see scriptures through Jewish eyes sometimes. So even though this truth is not necessarily in the Bible, uh, we don't really know for sure whether or not the law was given on the day of Pentecost, and we don't know whether or not there were Jewish disembodied souls sitting at Mount Sinai listening to the law. Yeah, I doubt I that doubt that's it. true. I really doubt I it. I doubt it. Okay. <laughs> and again, I don't remember, but I doubt it. But God used that tradition to create a parallel uh, miracle uh, so that when the gospel was heard in their own tongues, then thousands of Jewish people said, hey, this is coming like the first Torah. This must have the same importance and the same authority. And so we're going to believe it. Amen. And so there are tremendous spiritual truths to learn from the Feast of, of Pentecost from Shavuot. But Bobby, I've got to tell you that one of my favorite parts of Shavuot is to eat cheesecake. It comes from the Song of Solomon, that the uh, Word of God is like a mixture of honey and milk, because it is a land of milk and honey. And so for some reason, Jewish people decided, and I think it was a very good decision, to eat cheesecake in honor of this passage of scripture, in honor of their love for Torah and for the word of God. And I'll tell you, I appreciate the Torah with every bite of my junior's cheesecakes, straight from the heart of Brooklyn. Shalom, friends. This is Mitch Glazer, president of Chosen People Ministries. There is a growing movement of the Holy Spirit among second generation young adults and we have a great ministry to these folks. There are hundreds of them. There's a beautiful commercial center, two and a half times the size of what we have now that'll seat over 150 people. We have space for children's work. We have space for a cafe. And so pray over the center. We'd love to have you come on a chosen people trip. But I know that you'll want to be involved in one way or another to help the gospel go out in power to Israel. To learn more about this new exciting project, visit chosenpeople.com slash Tel Aviv Center. That's chosenpeople.com slash Tel Aviv Center. Partner with us to bring the love of Yeshua to Israel today. Well, now we're going to hear a short message from my dear brother Bobby about why Shavuot is considered a great gift of God. If you have ever taken time to count your blessings, you know that it's a humbling experience to pause and consider all the gifts that God has bestowed upon us. He has given us the food that we eat, the clothes that we wear, our families, our friends, our homes, and even more than that, He has given us salvation, the forgiveness of sin. He's given us peace. He's given us His love. He's given us his word, the Bible, and he's given us his presence with us. There is something so special about thanking God for these gifts. And what's even more special is that there is one annual holiday when we are invited to celebrate God's generosity and the gifts that he has given us. This holiday in Hebrew is called Shavuot, which literally means weeks. You may know it better as Pentecost which is the Greek 
4.50. These names are taken from the command in Leviticus 23 verses 15 and 16 to observe this day by counting seven weeks and one day or 50 days from the Passover and First Fruits offering. Today, Jewish communities observe this holiday with special synagogue services and prayers. They read the Book of Ruth, they eat lots of dairy desserts, and they have all-night Torah studies and celebrations. All of this is done with a particular emphasis on recognizing what is considered the greatest gift that God has ever given to Israel, the Torah. But what is it about the Torah that is so special and unique? The Torah, or more literally, God's teachings and instructions, served many roles for the people of Israel. It's a moral guide that sets Israel apart from all the other nations. It helped shape the culture. It defines sin. It introduced a fair and righteous justice system. It also outlines the process of redemption. The sacrificial system shows how innocent blood atones for the sins of the guilty. Ultimately, the Torah equipped the children of Israel to fulfill their mission in life as a nation. And what is their purpose? To be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. That is, to be a light to the nations, to share God's truth with their pagan neighbors. In many ways, Israel was supposed to be evangelical. Even the location of the land of Israel was strategic for that mission. Israel, about the size of New Jersey, sits at the crossroads of three separate continents, Europe, Asia, and Africa. And there are two ancient major trade routes that pass directly through the land of Israel, connecting these three different continents. As the ancients would travel these routes, they would pass through the land of Israel, and the expectation was that they would see and experience the love justice, and righteousness of God being lived out as Israel put the Torah into action. Now, unfortunately, when we look at history, we see that Israel did not succeed in that mission. Having the Torah written on tablets of stone was not enough. It needed to be written on hearts of flesh. It was not until the second major gift given by God on Shavuot that we see this worldwide impact take off and hearts begin to change. In Acts chapter 2, the disciples were gathered together in Jerusalem on Shavuot. This assembly took place shortly after Yeshua became our Passover lamb when he died for our sins and rose from the dead as the firstfruits of the resurrection. In Acts chapter 2, a Sinai-level event occurred. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire, distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Just as at Sinai, there were mighty elemental sounds and shakings going on in Jerusalem. And just as at Sinai, things began to change dramatically for God's people. The Holy Spirit was poured out, and we see that the Holy Spirit functions as a moral guide, convicting us when we sin and shepherding us in righteousness. He sets us apart and equips us 
so that we can take the message of redemption and forgiveness to the nations. God's own Spirit began to dwell within the hearts of believers. In fulfillment of Jeremiah 31 verse 33, the Torah was now written on the hearts of those who believe. We see the most significant change in Peter, who in John 21 3 was ready to return to the life that he knew before Jesus by going fishing. Now though, in Acts chapter 2, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, stands up and delivers an impassioned apostolic sermon to thousands of Jewish people present in Jerusalem. On that day, a revival was sparked as 3,000 came to believe in Yeshua. Peter was now a fisher of men. So this year, as Shavuot approaches, let us pause, let us take inventory, and let us give thanks for the gifts that God has given us. Thank Him for the redemption that we have through our Passover Lamb Jesus, for the resurrection to eternal life that is promised to us, and for the gift of the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us. It is His Spirit that now empowers and gives us all that we need to take the message of truth to a world that desperately needs it, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. You're listening to The Chosen People, which is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries. And we want to thank you so much for joining us today. And Mitch, why don't you tell us a little bit about what's happening this summer with Chosen People? Well, it's exciting, Bobby. You know, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God to salvation for all who believe, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And what better place to practice that passage of scripture than in New York City, where you don't have to go looking too hard for the Jewish people to be first. We have two million Jewish people in New York City, and you will have the opportunity this summer to join us in bringing the gospel to the Jewish people first and also to the Gentiles. And usually every summer we actually lead more Gentiles to the Lord than Jewish people. And, and that's, that's our joy. So Shalom New York is sponsored by Chosen People Ministries. We've been doing this for many, many years. The dates are July 29th through August 5th. That's July 29th through August 5th. And so we will take the opportunity to bring people in from all over the United States and all over the world and we'll have some great fellowship, great worship, even great food, bagels, pizza for everybody. You know, we're going to have a, a wonderful time, uh, but we're going to focus on bringing the gospel on the streets, in the parks, and all over uh, New York City to the Jew first and also to the Gentiles. So come. There's no age limit. Uh, if you're under 18, come with a parent. Just bring them along. But there's no age limit. There's going to be something for everybody to do. And uh, we'll try and use your spiritual gifts the best we can as we find them out as quickly, quickly as we can. And so it's going to be a wonderful time. So come to Shalom New York, and you can find out all about it on our website. And when you reach out today, be sure to ask for our latest resource on Israel called The People, the Land, and the Future of Israel. It's free and available right now on DVD or as a digital download. So call us today. The number to dial is 888 888- 293-7482. That's 888-2-YESHUA, the Hebrew name for Jesus. And now let's wrap up today's program with the ironic Benediction. Yivarechecha Adonai V'yishmarecha 
Yair panavelecha bichuneka. Yisa Adonai panavelecha v'yasem lecha shalom. V'yasem lecha shalom. V'yasem lecha shalom. V'yasem lecha shalom. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the face of the Lord shine upon you and give you peace. B'Shem Shel Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar Shalom, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Prince of Peace.